Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch us on the simulcast 32.3, Stadium 32.3 or 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111 on this glorious Wednesday morning. I asked, maybe even hinted at begging for a um, a bad day for the Boston Bean Eater sports crowd. And it was. We're going to have to give Jules credit. The man has got to be happy. Like, he's a Red Sox fan, and he apparently loves when his team loses. He really loves when his team gets humiliated. I did not have much confidence in Urquidy against that lineup in that ballpark. And Urquidy was terrible. But fortunately, I I, I don't I'm a little look, I've all, since the first time I saw him pitch, I've always been a big fan of Urquidy and I like it. He is having a horrible season. I, I hopefully he's just off to a slow start. Um I am not comfortable with how he's pitching at all. And hopefully that they can figure something out there. But um, the Red Sox or Nathan Uvalde was so bad that it didn't matter how frustrating Urquidy's outing was because he got the win. And um, it was a struggle for him to, to for them to stick with him long enough. But the, I think the Grand Slam that Icky had kind of put him on easy street, and they were able to do that. The Astros have been playing baseball for about 60 years. 60 years. They have never hit five home runs in an inning. And I don't know how many innings that is or how many games that is over 60 years of, of being a franchise. They have never... Hit five home runs in an inning. Nathan Ubalde, and again, our 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 friend Jules, he called it yesterday. You know, he talked about all the home runs, and, and the cat just gives them up. He became the third pitcher in Major League Baseball history to give up five home runs in an inning, the third one ever. That's 150 years. Wow. Now, to be fair, in the first, you know, 50 years or so of the sport, they didn't hit a bunch of home runs. I mean, I don't even know how many games, how many games had five home runs total in the first 50 years of the sport Uh, until they, you know, started messing with the ball in the early 20s and and all that, but still, it's a long time. A lot of guys have pitched, and it was uh, that was just fun. Now, you know me; I do not like scoring that many runs. 
I don't really like setting records. But there, there every once in a while, there are exceptions. To, first of all, anytime you can, hum, anytime anybody has an opportunity to humiliate the Yankees, the Red Sox, or the Punks, the three teams that, you know, Major League Baseball thinks the whole sport is about, um, then it, it's great. You know, you just enjoy, you relish that moment. Um, plus, on a much smaller, more specific scale, remember, my goal going into this series was to win a game, not get swept. So you could have at least a three, six and three road trip. As I said, I think most fans, if they're seeing the big picture, would sign up for a six and three road trip. Especially when they've won't what have we only played? Six weeks of baseball, and the, and the Astros have already had two three-city trips. So it was, um, I, I didn't love it, but I loved it. Because <laughs> it's the one time where I'm not really worried whether, you know, chances, very good chance, they're not going to score many runs today unless the Red Sox just want to make a bunch of errors, which did help because the Astros didn't play add-on. They didn't score a run after the fourth inning. And some of those runs were because of really bad defense that extended innings, uh, two different innings, especially the Grand Slam in the fourth. So they might be able to overcome it, but even if they don't today, I'm good with it. Uh, You know, it was worth it. Normally, I say 90% of the time, I say it's not worth it. I got my win. The way Urquidy was pitching, I would, even at 9 to whatever it was, 9 to 2 or 9 to 3, I wasn't feeling all that great because Urquidy couldn't get anybody out. Get somebody out, cat. Um, He just couldn't get anybody out. And so even at 9-3, I wasn't feeling as good as I should have been feeling after a nine-run second the way he's been pitching. But um, it worked out. And so, look, sometimes you, you get the win. If they lose today, still a 6-3 and three road trip. I can live with that. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. So you know why uh, it hasn't happened too often? Because there's not many managers that would leave a cat in the game to give up five home runs. Oh, yeah, that's game. true. I, I, that's... Want you to, I want you to ask Jules what kind of manager he has to leave well, he the hates... game. To give up five home runs in one inning. <laughs> but it was the second inning. Cat, you got to throw some pitches. You can't be killing your bullpen. Yeah, but you can't You can't do that to your pitcher either foot. I mean, come on, the man, the man was probably begging to get out inside, <laughs> and he just let him No, you gave up three home runs. We want to give up more home runs this inning. Let's give up another one. Man. And then another one. That was unbelievable. I mean, yeah, that, that, I mean, that didn't make no sense for him to just leave the man out there struggling like that. But, but I bet you enjoyed it a lot, huh? Oh, I enjoyed it. I didn't even worry about tomorrow. Usually I worry about tomorrow. Yeah, you know, to do that, I got my win. I'm not getting swept. I'm at least, you know, worst case scenario, I'm 6-3 and three on that road trip coming home. Now they got to figure out how to win a game at home. Like, come on, cat. Like, uh, Icky has 25 ribs this season. 23 of them are on the road. You're supposed to be comfortable at home. This cat, he is, all his home runs are on the road, and all, all but two of his um, 25 RBIs are on the road. Cat needs to start driving a run in at home. But you shouldn't be complaining about playing on the road then. 
<coughs> well, some I, I, I um, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just relishing a six and three or a seven and two road trip. But they they got to they got to start playing better at home because we got a lot of home. We played a lot of road games already this season. Got a lot of home games left this season. Got to start hitting the ball at home. Yeah. Now, foot. How, how much are you buying into Jarvis Landry trying to recruit Odell Beckham to New Orleans? Not at all. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we. I mean, I mean, when is he going to be ready to play this year? Late November? Exactly. He won't be ready for a while. You're right. But, I mean, for, for, for Jarvis is trying to get him to – but I'd be some uh, Landry or Beckham and, and Matthews in New Orleans. He, he, they well, would right now – Already they're selling a lot of jerseys, I promise you, but there would be a lot more. Yeah, but right now they don't, he don't need to be focused on Odell Beckham. Because I don't even, uh, you know, I don't know about that. He needs to be focused on Daryl Williams. Get yeah, Daryl Williams he running back. Well, why you didn't take Stoney Michelle? I mean, I, why, 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 why y'all didn't make him an offer you couldn't refuse? Because Stoney Michelle wanted to play for the Dolphins. I don't know. Oh, he is trash, foot. I mean, he is not trash. He's he's not great, but he's not trash. Now, come on. Well, I wish he would have went to New Orleans. I can tell you that. You wanted a veteran running back. I wish you'd have got him. I'd, I'd tell you, the only reason I wasn't too high on him is he's, he he gets hurt too much. I got enough hurt players already. <laughs> got way but, too many hurt players. I'm gonna be listening when Jules calls. Ask him what kind of manager he has. Oh, the man hates. He, the man hates his manager. The man hates well, everything about it. Yeah, I, tell him I hate him too for leaving the man out there to <laughs> five home runs in one inning. What a disgraceful manager. All right, so we'll talk to you later. Take care. I mean, that's a good point Troy brought up. It, it, it's only happened three times because usually you, you don't get to stay in the game when you give up that many runs. Home runs in one inning. But, I mean, I, I kind of get it in that, I mean, it's the second inning. You had a one, two, three first. And, like, I don't want to ruin my bullpen because it, it, it's tougher these days. And I don't know the Red Sox schedule. I haven't really looked at it. But there's not as many days off as they've had the last couple of years. And so a lot, a lot of teams are playing, like, 20 out of 21 days and stuff like that, stretches like that. And so – it really messes with your bullpen if you can't make it out of the first or second inning. That's why I was so frustrated with Urquidy. It's like, cat, get somebody out. Like, you, you, you've been given this nine-run second inning and you're struggling to get through innings. He was killing me. But um, it, it worked out. No, they... Now... The, the whole team wasn't hitting the first month of the season. It wasn't just Icky at home, but they've got to transfer some of this offense um, to, to Minute Maid Park. It's not like Minute Maid Park is what, – what was the name? Was it Comerica? What was the name of the Tiger Stadium when they first built that new stadium? It was a canyon. But uh, it's not like Minute Maid Park is that. I mean, now there's some parts that are really deep, left center and center field's pretty deep, but there's also some other parts. And speaking of that, look, I love, 
I love El Pedro Grande. You know that. I, you know, he's. I, I just love every time he does something good. He hit. He's the one started it that nine run inning last night by hitting a home run over the green monster on a high fly ball to left, and then he hit another one off the wall. A, a, well, a single off the wall. Um, at the end of when in his second at bat in that nine run second, but cat, where is that at home? Like I had to watch stupid Jim Edmonds hit all those home runs, inside out home runs every time he came to Minute Maid Park, uh, when the Astros were in the back in the National League and in the National League Central, and I got all these big left-handed hitters, especially El Pedro Grande, he's humongous, and he can't hit a ball in the Crawford boxes. But he goes to Fenway and he can do it. Boy, that cat loves hitting at Fenway. But uh, look, there's a lot of similarities between Fenway Park and Minute Maid Park. So how about I get some of those balls, you know, hit to left field into the Crawford boxes, cheap home runs or whatever they want to call them from El Pedro. Cat, you don't have to hit it 420 every time you hit a home run. All you need is a lazy fly ball to left, hit it 330, and you, you get home runs. As big and strong as he is, just hit a lazy fly ball to left field. That needs to happen more often. He can start scoring more runs at home. All right. And as far as Alex Bregman, every time I start feeling confident in that guy, he goes in the tank. That cat needs to step it up. All right. Let, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Shift gears to LSU baseball. Speaking of some troubled situations, we'll uh, speak again to Cokie Riley next after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Want to remind you about Astro Giveaway or Astro Getaway Giveaway. Number two. Astros will play the White Sox on Saturday, June the 18th. And you can be there. All you need to do is register to be eligible to win. At the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, you could win four tickets to the game, a tour of Minute Maid Park, where they don't hit enough balls into the Crawford boxes, especially the left-handed hitters, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday game. Astro Weekend Getaways, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, All right, as I said, let's shift gears a little bit, get to LSU baseball with our friend Cokie Riley. How are you, sir? Doing great, Kevin. How's it going? 
Well, you know, uh, I you don't get to enjoy a whole lot of moments sometimes in baseball, but we enjoyed it interestingly in watching the Astros um, on my little phone last night while at the Cajun game. So I'm, I'm riding that high, but, you know, uh, those highs sometimes only last a day or so. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> All right, LSU. Last week we were feeling real good, talking about how if they went two out of three and they went two out of three, they they'd probably finish third or fourth and everything's looking good. And then you get swept and you're looking at a Vanderbilt team that's playing well and you got to go on the road. And it seemed like the whole picture is cloudy now. Yeah, um, I think that's the perfect way to put it because we talked about a couple different scenarios on the show last week, but I don't think we ever talked about the uh, even the possibility of them getting swept by Old Miss. Um and I don't think that's something we should have entertained more seriously, but I, but I do think that uh, losing two out of three was probably a bit more of a possibility than what we believed it could be. Um, part of it's just because of timing. I mean, they, they beat Southern Miss on the Wednesday, uh, you know, the night after our show, um, and Southern Miss, at least at the time, was the number 11 team in the country. Um, so, th- so this Ole Miss team was sort of gaining some steam. I mean, they won the previous four games, three games before that. Um, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I think you got to give some credit to this old Miss team, and you have to um, obviously give some blame to this LSU team, uh, especially their starting pitching. So, um, I, you know, like, like most things in life, it's, it's a little bit of a combination of both. So before we get to, to some specific situations, what what are you thinking now? LSU needs to do not just not just this weekend, but in Hoover to still host. Oh, to host, um, it's going to be tough because right now they're thirty sixth in RPI and they aren't they aren't ranked in any of the national polls. So that would mean they would have to at the very least win this Vanderbilt series, if not sweep this series. Um, which I I mean. That sounds like a pretty far-fetched to me. Uh, but they would have to do that. They would have to hope that Ole Miss keeps on winning um, because if Ole Miss keeps on winning in their RPI numbers and keep on going up and maybe they even sneak into the poll, and, and that would that would certainly uh, – polls, I should say. That, that would certainly um, help LSU's chances. Um, it would make that series sweep look a little less – a little less, uh, I, I guess, worse for lack of a better word. Um, and then the SEC tournament, they would have to win at least probably one or two games, three games. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they got to win a lot <laughs> moving forward. It's just this sweep really puts them in a bad spot. If they won one of these games, I think they might be able to get away with not going terribly deep in the SEC tournament. Um, even if they won the series against Vanderbilt, but now they have to do both, if you understand what I'm trying to say. And and, uh, and which makes it even tougher is, one, you're on the road, and two, you're playing a Vanderbilt team that seems to be heading in a little bit in a really you know much more positive direction than they were earlier, exactly. and you're playing a Vanderbilt team that's also playing to win games to try to host the region. Yeah, exactly. And um, they're a pretty good spot to host the regional. Uh, I believe they're ranked in most of all the polls. Uh, they're third in the RPI, so analytically they're in a really, really good spot. They've had a very, very hard schedule this season. Um, that's that's part of, the, and that's what kind of 
help benefit. That's where you can benefit from something like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, they just beat the series. They just won two out of three against Arkansas, a really, really good team. Uh, as a team, they have a 3.26 ERA, so they have the pitching to obviously sort of um, uh, blunt or potentially blunt the strength of this LSU team. And not just – they don't just have good starting pitching. It's also mostly from the left side as well. I mean, Carter holding the depth, Devin Futrell has been excellent this season. Futrell is a 2.52 ERA, holding us a 3.42 ERA. Futrell was – more of a midweek guy for them, but they moved him into uh, into a weekend start this past week against Vanderbilt against excuse me against Arkansas, and it really worked out. Um, and LSU has kind of struggled against left-handed starting pitching this season. Only two thirty-one, two thirty-one, three sixty, three three sixty-five, four hundred six splits, um, four hundred six slugging, and two thirty two thirty-one batting average isn't uh, terribly good. So you combine those worries with um, some of the starting pitching woes that LSU has had. I mean, it, it's it 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 should be a cause for concern heading into the series. And just given the way LSU is playing, given the way this Vanderbilt team is playing, and how they sort of match up, um, it. I mean, I would be pretty surprised if they won this series, let alone swept them. What's the Barry injury update? Uh, he did play last night. Uh, I think came in around third or fourth inning, um, and I, I, I asked Coach that very question uh, on Sunday and um, he sounded like he was sort of progressing toward coming back at least some point soon. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts and plays in all three of these games, to be honest, uh, if he was good enough to go uh, halfway through a midweek game against Northwestern state. So um, yeah, I, I, I think, it, I think if there's any good news for LSU, it's that Barry's at least good enough to contribute somewhat. if not just, starting to be himself again all right here at ul they've done a couple what 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 coach deggs talks about out of the box because with with the handling of the pitching staff so when they get to hoover if i'm assuming that lsu's coaching staff is because of what's been going on lately with the starting pitching is going to have to at least explore the possibility of some out of the box starts or some out of the box different pitching uh approaches it, it, uh, if you were going to guess what one or two of those could be, what, what, what are their options? What, what, what out-of-the-box options could there be in terms of who starts or how they handle the pitching staff to mix it up a little bit when they get to, to the SEC tournament? I mean, they already did They did sort of try this in the Ole Miss series, right? I mean, Devin Fontenot starts the middle game of the series, for example, and, and um, um, Blake Money comes out of the bullpen uh, Sam Dutton throws one pitch <laughs> on on Sunday against Ole Miss something I've never really seen before and then he uh and then he makes way for for Jacob Hasty and it, they've been trying to mix things up on those uh the, those Saturday sun on those Saturday and Sunday days so far and it, they may keep on doing that and just start whoever they believe fits best in the certain matchup uh, if they play a team that May or may or may not struggle against lefties. Maybe it'll just start Riley Cooper and Hasty and have them go two or three innings before going to so maybe someone like Money or Collins who can pitch a little bit longer. Um, uh, maybe they just start Dutton for three or four innings in a certain matchup because a team struggles against righties or 
Uh, Hilliard's really the only guy who I would say is stamped in to make, uh, to hopefully make uh, for their sakes a five, six inning start. So, um, yeah, they're already they're already experimenting. We've seen some of the experiments are already, um, and, and I think that uh, they didn't really work this past weekend. But um, uh, Coach Jay Johnson has been very open to uh, you know upsetting the upsetting the apple cart, so to say, uh, just to just to see which matchups work on a, on a given weekend and in a given game. I know, look, I'm a guy, I, I love when the team I'm pulling for has all these starting pitchings, and I'm talking more regular season than postseason, but, and I love starters that go seven and eight innings. It's awesome. But if you don't have that, even before the opener became popular, I remember, like, why not, if, if, you, if your problem is you can't get to the fourth inning with a lead ever, and you're constantly behind, then pitch your pitch your stud seventh or eighth inning guy or even your closer at the beginning. So I'm all for the concept of the opener if if it's if it if there's a necessity. I understand we think that the seventh and eighth inning is more important than the second or third inning, but if you str- if if you're constantly behind then it's not more important than the second or third inning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I, I would certainly agree. It's Pitching has become, as you know, it's become more of a matchup-based um, proposition, other than just pitch your pitch your best reliever in the ninth, pitch your second best reliever in the eighth. Uh, just the the whole philosophy and, and, and concept has been, I won't say radicalized, but it's been more, it's been deployed in a much more, I don't know, practical is probably the wrong word, but um, it, a much more matchup set, matchup-based sense. So. It's, it, I mean, the value of relievers going two or three innings goes up because you don't want to pitch a starter for too long because the numbers say if the starter goes through the order for a third time, then uh, they may be they may get in some trouble. So I don't know. I I find the strategy really interesting personally. Um, I know it's not for everybody, but uh, especially when you don't have the horses, it's kind of what you have to do. And LSU's in that spot right now. LSU's at home over the last two decades, you know, crowd-wise, it's just probably the best in, in the country. And they've obviously have an, an incredible, created an incredible atmosphere there. But for this team, you know, last year they went to Asia and they had a pretty, they did pretty well. Like for this team, would, would, would it actually be the worst thing to be on to be a you know a two seed on the road somewhere rather than a one seed at home like they almost always are, or or, um, or no. That's a good question. I, I, I they've had some success on the road this season. Uh, you look back at the, for example, I mean this recent Alabama series they won two out of three. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to remember now some of their some of their. Uh, road matchups, but they've had some successes on the road this season. I mean, they swept Mississippi State, for example. Florida? Didn't they do well in Florida? Team, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you just sort of look at their resume. I mean, they had the big Florida series win. You kind of, I, I feel like they've had some success on the road, and uh, I, I, I don't think it, it would be terrible if they had to go on the road for for a regional. I don't think it's the necessarily the weakness of the team. It's again, it's just the it's just the pitching. Try to find find the right combinations to uh, fill up these starting 
the starting pitching holes. And it's not just the starting pitching necessarily in the starting pitching holes they have. And um, obviously it's a trouble. They don't really have anyone who can go uh, five, six innings and you don't have to worry about it. It's, it's just a matter of getting the, the number of innings from a person. It doesn't have to be necessarily a starter because when you have to pitch six, seven guys every day, it's the, they get more exposed to the hitters you're facing and, and, and having to just do that consistently, consistently sort of wears down on your, on your guys uh, from more of a, from like a physical standpoint. And I think that's sort of what the worry is because for example, if you look at a team like the Tampa Bay Rays in, in Major League Baseball, um, as the, pl- the further the playoffs go along, sometimes they that unit sort of gets worn down because the relievers pitching for a, the fifth time in ten days, and they don't have that many other um, other other options against that certain matchup. So I think that's the that's the thing you kind of have to worry about a little bit. Is that there's not a lot of reprieve for some of these guys like a Paul Gervais um, or Devin Fontenot or you kind of just go down and Eric Razelman. Over time, when you keep on using these guys over and over again, they, 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 there's a decent chance that they may lose their effectiveness, effectiveness. And, heck, you saw that a little bit in the Ole Miss series. So uh, if you're an LSU fan, that's something that should probably be in the back of your mind. All righty. Well, I appreciate your time. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I think people probably giving LSU about as much chance as we gave Ole Miss to sweep. So we'll see what happens uh, the, the, in, in Nashville this week. Appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. All right. Cokie Riley of the USA Today Network. Appreciate that. No, I, I think a lot of what he said makes sense. I think the other thing that if I'm an LSU fan that I'm – thinking on and again i have a glass half full mind so not everybody's gonna think this way but the other thing you got to factor is when you get to a regional you quite often are playing teams that don't know you nearly as well as the teams in your conference or especially the teams in your division and also there's that nerve factor that first game of the year that first game of a regional a lot of times you don't hit that well not because the pitcher's doing that well. There's that first game just kind of getting over the hump stuff. So we talked about that with Cajun softball, and I think it's a factor can play a role in baseball too. So if they would not start, say, in a regional, a Hilliard, which they probably would, then maybe they can get some of that, get into their bullpen, hit their way through that, and then rely on Hilliard in the game that he pitches. We'll see what happens. First, got to play Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament, obviously. We'll take a timeout. Come back and get back to enjoying this glorious Wednesday morning on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these. Oh, you're an you know, what kind of Sage fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ooh. 
We'll come back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline, 706-0111. 706-0111. Want to remind you if you would like to get a special sneak peek preview of the movie Top Gun Maverick on May the 26th. At the Celebrity Theater in Broussard, here's what you need to do. Text Top Gun to 68683. Text Top Gun to 68683, and you might win a pair of tickets for that sneak peek preview of the movie Top Gun Maverick, May the 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. Thanks to you. Thanks to Big Boy Toys and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right. We started the show by glorifying in half of a night uh, that we wanted a, the Boston Bean Eater fans to have a lot of grief last night. And the Astros certainly did their part by scoring 13 runs and hitting six home runs, including five and a nine-run second. The other part needed to be handled by the Miami Heat, and they got it done. Uh, a disastrous third quarter. Uh, I think it was a four-point maybe. They were up by like four or five, something like that at the half. And the Celtics got their faces crushed in the third quarter, and it was great. And, you know, they were playing a little shorthanded, and the Heat really needed to win that game, and they did. So uh, Jimmy Butler was awesome. And um, I don't, you know, I don't. I, it, that win and that performance didn't give me a whole lot more confidence that they could win this series because I'm really worried about the the Heat's chances of losing this series. But it certainly uh, wasn't bad. I mean, you know, I would think that the Celtics would counter, and if they get players back that were missing, they might. You know, I'm sure they'll play a little better here and there. But uh, but no, it was still good. I wanted two and zero, and I got two and zero. So we can't over, we can't sweat the details too much. Uh, it made it a glorious Thursday. Hopefully they can uh, keep that up. Now maybe the Dallas Mavericks can beat the edge of night and make it even better. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Foot. How you doing, Mort? Pretty good. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good, man. The Astros put it to my my Red Sox last night, huh? They did. I uh, I'm j- again. I just didn't want to get swept, and so they did that. I don't know what's going on with Ubalde, and and they obviously made some really goofy looking errors that didn't help their cause either. Right. Uh, but I want to answer the uh, that caller's question that uh, on me and uh, Jules's behalf. We got Bozo the Clown as our our manager. That's all that needs to be said, man. I mean. I don't know how many Boston Red Sox fans that do like uh, Alex Cora, you know. Well, how can it be that <laughs> I mean, bad though? Everybody hate like all the all the punk fans hate their manager too, Roberts. But how can these well, guys be that bad? I was I, 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 I was a big fan of Frank Cohn. I don't know why we let him walk. You know, I mean, the guy brought us a World Series title. You know, people love but, Frank Cohn. I, I I I mean, I can't answer that question. I don't know. You, you're right though. People but, love him. I, I'm sure. I'm sure Paul's all get it today. You know, it is Yankees won, and the Red Sox got their face crushed last night. But hey, come October when when your Astros eliminate them, them Yankees again, and I'm I'm gonna be laughing then. 
All right. Well, I hope uh, <laughs> it's time for somebody to step up and beat them Yankees. I'm getting a little tired of seeing Judge highlights, to tell you the truth. Oh, it's gonna happen. They, I mean, they they gonna they gonna fall apart the second half of the season, and like I said, um, uh, they're gonna end up getting hurt, Judge, and 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 Stanton, and, uh, and Stan, they they injury prong, man. And then uh, you know how you call Nick Saban the the uh, tuck tail, you know. Uh huh. But uh, Gary Cole's a, a tuck tail as well. The way he left the Astros, you oh, know. Oh, that guy joined the Yankees. Yeah, oh, that was awful. And, yeah, and not so much that he did man. that, but how he did it. No, I, I'm with you. Hopefully you're right. Thank you, sir. All right. Yes, sir. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. So um, I, was, I was covering Cajun baseball last night, so I was watching, you know, following the Astros on my phone. I was watching the game and doing other things, and – and so I got to watch the tape of it when I got home last night after writing my, my story. But the Cajuns had a nice win last night. They only gave up two hits. It's the first time in five years that they had a combined no-hitter like they did last night. And they did a good job of uh, hanging in there when they kept leaving runners in scoring position. And they ended up getting the win. And Bayon hit two home runs late, kind of coup de gras. I don't know how much they had to do with winning the game, but still it, it might have got him going, and that gives him another bat option perhaps going into the final weekend of the regular season in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament next week. So we'll see. That could pay off some dividends down the road. All right, well, here's Nostradamus. We'll see how he's doing on the game hotline. Hello. Well, you're not as happy as I was. <laughs> it was glorious. <laughs> it was glorious. You enjoyed and, that more than I did? Oh, and when when Cora can't do anything but put his thumb up as you know what. Oh, it was beautiful. And that's what I was talking about when I called yesterday, Kevin. No, I thought that's about you. I said the man called it. Oh, I told you about Nate and his uh, penchant for giving up the long ball. And even, uh, you know, during the day, once the Red Sox posted their uh, lineup on Facebook, uh, you know, and the people are always, oh, what they need to score some runs for Nate. And I wrote, yeah, because Nate gives up bombs left and right. Oh, well, he, he only gives up solo home runs. And the way the Red Sox are hitting, it's not going to make a difference. So I had a lot of, say what? <laughs> w- what did you say? <laughs> oh, Lord. But, you know, I, I, Cora is... I know you, you said yesterday, well, he's respected. Why? Because he can speak Spanish to all of the Spanish players on the team. That's about the only thing Cora has going for him. No, I'm talking about around Major League Spanish. Baseball. You you really don't – I mean, you really believe that if he gets fired, he wouldn't get another head coach and managerial job? I think he would. Of, of course he would. Who do you think – who do you think of running these baseball operations? These Ivy League, Ivy League pencil necks. 
That's who's running baseball. Well, you know, yeah. all of this analytics. Well, you know, then why are they talking about making a bigger base, banning the shift, doing, making this rule? They're trying to combat all of the negative stuff that is happening to the game because of analytics. It's mind-blowing. How stupid can people be? The problem is analytics. That's what's ruining the game, for the fans at least. Nobody wants to see 10 relief pitchers go out there to cover nine innings. That's not enjoyable. Oh, man, alive. You know, and they're talking about, well, you know, now you, you see people starting to put the ball in play now. It's not all home runs and strikeouts. Well, that's because something happened to the baseball and nobody's hitting home runs. Well, except for last night. But, you know, but home runs are down. So if you're going to get on base, you're going to have to put the ball in play. But, uh, Corey, he, you know, they, the media, well, Corey's stressing defense and Corey's stressing base running. Well, these are the things that they've been terrible at since Cora got there. Stressing means he talks to the players about it. Does he do anything? No, we don't do anything. We talk about it. And we talk in Spanish. That's why he's popular with the players. Because he's bilingual, and he's probably by something else, too. Oh, I know. <laughs> Come on, Jules. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, well, see, enjoy enjoy your team's demise. Hopefully, you can, can you get me a 3-2 to two win today? Well, we got we got uh, our hitman going from the Masucci family, Lil Nicky Pavetta. <laughs> He's into, he's into gambling and prostitution and loan sharking, but he likes to give up a lot of walks. Oh, I love walking. I love it. Well, That's he, what we need to He today. has control problems, uh, if you get my drift. I get <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. Little Nicky Pavetta. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Y'all George. got it in the bag. I hope you're right. Oh, you, you didn't get to... Uh, see Salamora taking his glove off no, after every time I, he got no, the ball last night. I did see they that really, he came in the game, but I wasn't watching it. Yeah, they, they really didn't focus on him uh, too much. In other words, when uh, when he was about to go through his routine, the camera would right. show core or something else. But you could see him walking back there, and as soon as he sticks that glove under his Japanese armpit. That's when he pulls it off and then starts rubbing the ball up. He he was doing it. He was doing it. But, uh, 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 all right. I'll, Thanks, Jules. All right. <laughs> Bye. The man, was, he, the, the man said he enjoyed his team getting crushed by my Astros as much as maybe more than I did. He's, he's, uh, he's unbelievable. All right. We will uh, take a timeout, come back, finish out this first hour. Of footnotes on the game. Crunch time with Mikas and Mesh. Weekday afternoons, 4 to 6 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. 
May 18, 2001, 101-year-old Harold Stilson becomes the oldest golfer to record a hole-in-one when he aces the 108-yard par-3 16th hole at Deerfield Country Club in Florida. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. I want to remind you, if you would like to win a family pack of four ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair, this is what you need to do. Text CHSF to 68683. Text CHSF to 68683. You might win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair scheduled for the Cajun Dome on May the 26th through June the 5th. We haven't talked about the lottery yet. The Ma- the Mavs, the Pelicans got the eight seed, which could be better, but could have been worse. So uh, we'll see what they do. It'll be very interesting. A lot they're holding a lot of cards right now in New Orleans, so it's got to be lots of fun. That'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. We'll be back on this glorious. Wednesday next on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can watch us on the simulcast 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. We have a full hour where you can get in. I don't know that I've ever heard such utter glee in the voice of a fan of a team when his team lost. <laughs> Jules. I mean, he is. That is something. Uh, he. It was. It was glorious. It's one thing to where you want your manager or your coach fired, and so you want him to lose. But you normally do that in anger. I mean, he said it was a glorious experience <laughs> watching, watching the Astros just hit home run after home run after home run. And the truth of the matter is, since the Astros went to the American League, they've had great success at, at Fenway. Now, they haven't won every game. Of course they haven't. But they, they normally hit the ball pretty well. And last night, the wind was blowing out, and so and they took advantage of it. And um, I'm shocked the Red Sox didn't score more runs because they got a lot of hits against Urquidy, but it didn't translate into – a ton of runs, so we'll see what happens in today's game. Luis Garcia's been pitching very well for the Astros. Um, So it wouldn't shock me if he pitched well. He struggles. He's really, really good 
against right-handers normally. Really struggles a lot against left-handers. So, I don't know. I guess Cordero might play. Obviously, Devers is going to be a, you know, a scary point. But maybe he'll be able to neutralize J.D. Martinez some. We'll see. I don't know. That. I don't know if anybody can get J.D. Martinez out on the Astros. Uh, you know, Story's had some good at-bats in this series. So, hopefully, he can neutralize him. And Kiki's been kind of neutralizing himself. So, we'll see how. Uh, that plays out. Cajun baseball, as I said, they won last night. They're kind of in a position where they're playing out the season and just hoping they can make a run in the Sunbelt Conference tournament. And, and you know, it wouldn't shock me if they did because they got a lot of guys playing well. Max, they really need to get Max's bad going. Uh, he had some nice moments in San Marcos. Um they need to get him going. We'll see if Veyon's hits um, can kind of enter the picture. And he hasn't gotten a whole a lot of at bats the second half of the season, but he had two really nice ones off the bench last night, two home runs, and so we'll see how how they can. You know, they're gonna have to hit and score runs, and they stranded a runner at third in the first inning last night. They stranded a runner at third in the second inning last night they stranded a runner at third in the fourth inning in the third inning last night and they stranded a runner at second in the fourth inning and they got very very frustrating and then finally in the sixth inning after a one two three fifth day they broke through with four runs and and backed up their pitching which was fabulous Austin Perrin did very well uh in three innings to start the season to start the game and so you know maybe he's worked himself into being a little bit more of an option um, conference tournament time. He's also that kind of pitcher that can really pay off for a team in a conference tournament. If they get way up, kind of like the Astros did last night at Fenway, or way down in the game, he can eat up some innings and um, you know, and 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 preserve the bullpen. And hopefully, they they can utilize him in um, in one of those areas uh, when they get to Montgomery. We'll see how. All of that works out. All right, let's go to the game hotline and talk to another man who I think, who I believe thinks this is a glorious Wednesday morning. Hello. <laughs> but what a glorious morning, huh? <laughs> 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 Woo! You know, foot. I never thought I'd see the day where a Yankee, an Astro, and a Red Sox be at the same table breaking bread in Georgia <laughs> for the same cause. <laughs> Man, Jules loves when his team gets crushed. Man, I love it too. I'm happy for him. He's like my new best friend. I, I, I mean, maybe he just need to sign that Yankee application because he's not far from it. <laughs> he might as well do like old Gary Cole. Come to the winning side. <laughs> oh, foot is glorious, glorious foot. You know, and it's more. I feel it's more of a win for the Yankees because we keep winning, and we let. Y'all two beat up on each other, and y'all tied this series. So it's a big win for the, um, the Yankees. And at first, I really thought y'all threw game one away. I said, I, and I didn't watch the game because I figured if I watch it, I was going to jinx y'all, and you are going to be all oh, Yankee fan. Watch the game. Paulie, did he jinx us? So I let game two come. I didn't watch it, and y'all pulled it off. So I'm very pleased. So it's 1-1 where y'all at for right now. So that keep us moving up at the top. Well, keep us at the top. 
So, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I never thought I'd be able to agree with you. I never thought, but I'm really happy about that. <laughs> and for the little guy, Marty Morton, that called, hey, look, Gary Cole, I'm very happy that his team lost, of course, but Gary Cole, I, I think, I don't think, I don't, he just chose to come to the winning side. That's all it was. He, he knew what was best for his career. Come, everybody want to be a Yankee, put them stripes on, they look good in it. But you know, for last but not least, to let you know, Remember last week when Rockefeller called in and he said I was pulling for the Boston Celtics? Now, and I hope he listens because I have proof. The man is a Laker fan pulling for the Boston Celtics. Well, come he on. He got him going to the finals. Oh. I so can't believe that's I, true. I hope he called it because cause I would love to get him because I got proof. He said, please, please tell me both of y'all are not pulling for the stupid Celtics. I just have them going to the finals. That's it. I just knew they can be. No, wait a minute. Teams. Predicting something to happen and pulling for them are two different things. Exactly. Yeah. I don't have them going like winning the championship. I just knew they have the best shot of beating them. I said the only team that can stand in their way is the Heat. They're pretty much You know what I mean? That's how I look at it. But that man pulling for them. He pulling for them. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let's enjoy this glorious day. A Yankee, a Astro, and a Red Sox at the same table breaking bread of joy. <laughs> oh, go Yankees. Later, foot. All right. Woo. Take care. <laughs> it's just been a strange day. <laughs> but it's it, – no, 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 no question is glorious. No, no, look, I I feel – I mean, I think the Heat have a chance. They play de- defense, and it's they're not the fancy pick. And I'm hoping that – the only reason the Celtics are in the Eastern Conference Final is because the Bucks were having a medicine season and it had nothing to do with how good the Celtics executed. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, and there's no question. There's no question that the Bucks had a, were having a medicine season. That That's, in my opinion, not even arguable. But that didn't necessarily mean they were going to lose that round. They could have lost this round. And so I'm hoping the reason why they lost that round, and it was because part of a medicine season is you just don't get the breaks and you're not normally as healthy as you were when you came out of nowhere or were the surprise champion, and and that was the case with Middleton not being there. So uh, that's just, you know, that's part of it or one aspect of it. And so hopefully the Heat can win. I'm still not, like, really confident in it, but I'm hoping. And that was a a good start. So hopefully they can – Get to two and zero. Oh, of course, the Suns have taught us that we shouldn't have needed the Suns, but the Suns have definitely taught us that a two zero advantage in a series doesn't mean you're going to win a series. We should, uh, they, you know, we certainly should have uh, learned that from the Suns over the last two years. But still, I would rather the Heat get that second win at home, and we'll we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um. You know, I, I don't. I've never had anything against the Mavs. Um, never really cared a whole lot about them one way or the other. I got um. I don't know something about how something about the Luca praise is kind of rubbing me the wrong way over the last week or so. So I'm not like. Really excited about the Mavs, but I'll certainly hope they win. Certainly hope they win. I don't I'm not pulling for the for the Warriors because I mean again, I still 
the despicable thing that they did and, and, and Durant, that whole Durant going over there, that was just, uh, you know, that was awful. So I, I can't pull for them. Um, so I'm hoping um, – I'm hoping very much that um, the Ma- the Mavs and the Heat, boy, they, that's not what the NBA wants. That will not be a highly viewed series. The Mavs and the Heat. That's what I'm pulling for, but I will be surprised. Um, I'd be surprised if that happened, but and I don't think the NBA would like it at all. All right, again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. I asked a question, and I just got an answer. It's great to be able to ask questions, and you, and you get answers. Don't you love waiters? You ask them for things, and they bring them. But um, the question was, I was thinking about this during the interview with Koki in the last hour about LSU baseball. It's been – it's actually happened – more recent than I thought in 2011. So what is that? 11 years ago would be the last time if LSU doesn't host in baseball that neither the baseball team or the softball team hosted in the same year. Uh, in that year, a, a, uh, LSU softball went to A&M for a regional and LSU baseball did not qualify for the postseason. So it's been 11 years since that happened. And, and as we were talking about, and a lot of people have, since they got swept by Ole Miss for the first time ever, which is amazing. Really, it really is amazing um, that it has never happened where Ole Miss swept LSU in all these years in Baton Rouge. Uh, something, unless something really strange happens, it's very possible it's going to happen for the first time in 11 years. But as I was saying, for this LSU team, baseball-wise – it might not be a bad plan. It, it, it might actually work for him. We'll see how that plays out. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. What Paul talking about? Paul said, and I didn't believe it, but he said you're pulling for you the Celtics. You know he lied anyway. What he said? He said you're pulling for the Celtics. Now, Kevin, you know that man lie. Come well, on now. I, that's what I said. I said I didn't believe it. You know Paul lie. Paul pulling for the Celtics. He started pulling for him in the playoffs started, so don't let him fool you. He's pulling for the Celtics, like I say. I'm going to show you how pitiful, pitiful, this pitiful of a fan he is, and you're pulling for the Celtics to yes. beat the Bucks and everybody else. You're pulling for the Celtics and you're a Knicks fan? Yeah. Really? It's awful. You're pulling for the Celtics. The man's pulling for the Think about that. The man's a Knicks fan and a Yankees fan, and the cat's pulling for the Celtics. It's awful. You hear me? Pulling for the Celtics, but he can sit up there and talk about I'm doing this and that, but he don't want to tell you the truth what's really going on. But he got the Celtics winning it all over Golden State over anybody. That's what he got, okay? So I don't know why he's saying I'm pulling for the Celtics. I picked the Celtics in the Warriors to play in the finals, but I'm not pulling for the Celtics. Right. Kevin Foot predicting and pulling two yeah. different things. I'm with you. Yeah, you know, he, he – you know better than that, Kevin. Paul is a New York Rat fan. So he's pulling for the Celtics because you don't have anything left right now. The Yankees are just imitations. They win a lot of games. No more championships. The Knicks will never, ever win again. The last time they won was in the 1400s. I mean, it's just over for him. You don't have anything going on for him but North Carolina. That's it. Everything else is dead kaput. The 
man's pulling for the Celtics. Think about that. The Celtics. That's sad. That's why you don't come fishing no more. You know I'm going to get on him if he come. If he come fishing, he ain't sitting by me. I tell you that right now. <laughs> Have a good one. All right. Take care. <laughs> man. <laughs> They're getting vicious. Oh, no. The man said he can't. He can't have no Patriot fan fishing by him. Or no Yankee fan fishing by him. I, I, I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> I didn't believe that an old school Laker fan would be pulling for the Celtics. I, some things that you, you I, I, I didn't believe that at all. So uh, I'm, um, you don't have to convince me on that one. I didn't believe it. All right, we will take a timeout. Shift gears. We'll take more of your phone calls, but I want to get to in the um, Troy brought up about an hour ago the um, some issues with the Saints or and so we want to I want to just go over a few of those notes on this glorious Wednesday morning. We'll be back on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Want to remind you on Saturday, the American Legion Post 278 has hosted a membership drive car show. The event will take place at the American Legion Hall, Post 178 at 2711 Highway 347 in Leonville. The show will feature three different classes, including the antique category. Pre-registration is only $25. It's free to the public, and refreshments will be sold. For more information, call Charles Taylor at 337-804-2757. That's 337-804-2757. Or if you're a Saints fan, Antonio Gibson, Ricky Jackson. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Well, believe it or not, I'm not calling to talk about the Yankees. <laughs> okay. Right, the Yankees are speaking for themselves. But I would like to comment on the LSU baseball situation a little bit. Okay. Because I know that fellow Jay Johnson is taking a lot of heat after this past weekend. But, Kevin, in reality, he got a Friday night starter that really should have been pitching against Northwestern last night. I mean, he 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 inherited a situation. He got a couple of kids out of the transfer portal and dropped him in the bullpen a little bit. But you got to give this guy some time, man. He's got, in my opinion, for him to have this, this uh, uh, to as a Friday night starter and to be in the position he was before going in the last weekend, um, I think it's pretty darn good, to tell you the truth, because he's, Really, he's got no starting pitches. What against that against 
Alabama, who pulled two starting pitches in the first inning on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh, no, it's tough. I mean, the Heenan can't try. Uh, he weighs about as much as I weigh, which ain't much. And he's got that little breaking ball. But, I mean, that's all he's got. That's his, that's his best guy. That's what he trots out there on Friday night. And when you think back about LSU baseball, they always had a real quality starter going on a Friday night. The guy's just a little shorthanded right now. And in my opinion, he's done a pretty damn good job with the, with the hand that he was dealt. You know, now, it's his responsibility from this point forward. And I think he's done a heck of a job recruiting so far. I'm not a a big fan of these recruiting rankings, but I think that the class that he signed is ranked first in the country. Um, you know, for next season now, we'll see who shows up and who doesn't show up. But, I mean, you, I mean, he kid gives it all he's got, but in reality, Kevin, he's a, he's a Tuesday, Wednesday start in the middle of the week. So let me ask you this. With this team, with everything you just said, should they really just pitch backwards? Oh, I don't know. He's getting to a point in the season where there's going to be some games where he's going to do some goofy things because he's got to find a way to win a particular game maybe. I don't know. I just know he's short. If you're short on pitching, you're in bad shape. You're in bad shape. Period. I mean, that's that's, – no, I agree, yeah, but my, my my point, Larry, is this. Like, you know, you have, like, Gervais, you have this guy who's been really good, and I know you would like to pitch him in, like, the seventh or eighth and eighth or whatever, but if you never get a lead and your season's on, you can't do this all season, but when you get to the end like this, whether it's the SEC tournament or regional, if you never get a lead, what good does it do to wait for a lead to put one of your best pitchers in? Pitch them early and try to shut people down and you can get a lead and then maybe Maybe, I mean, you say, well, who are we going to pitch in? Well, first, I got to get a lead before I worry about that. All right. Well, I mean, he may do some things different, you know, in the SEC tournament. He may try something kind of goofy. I don't know. I mean, that remains to be seen. But um, I still think he's done. Now, defensively, I can't tell you why they can't catch a ball and throw it. Now, that, you know, that may be on him. Because for some reason, those kids, uh, some of them that you could rely on in the past have been terrible defensively this year. I don't know what's going on there. But talent-wise, Kevin, it's just not there. You know, and he's, you know, he's tried all kinds of different things. But in reality, the kid who goes on Friday night, the LSU baseball is, is, is a middle-of-the-week starter. And that's what, I mean, that's the position he's in right now. So we'll see what happens against Vanderbilt. Of all, of all places to have to go when you're struggling, it's not a good place to go. No, it's not. But let, 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 let me ask you, Larry, before you go, and I know you didn't call for it, You got it's unbelievable what the Yankees have done the last three weeks. Yeah, before this last road trip, a third of our games were against Toronto, so I'm glad that's out of the way. Because I, I don't like Toronto. They're good. And we managed to, you know, hold our own uh, you know, against the Blue Jays and not let, us, let them beat us up like they did last year. You know, we... You know, we kind of beat them up a little bit, to tell you the truth. But, um, yeah, they, they, uh, Friday, when they come home, Kevin, they got a couple of tough ones. I mean, we, we're going to play the White Sox again. And this guy, uh, Coppich, told us the two hits on Sunday. We still managed to win the game. And the other guy, CC, uh, I think he's in, like, the, I don't know, it starts with a C. He got a little pony, like a little man bun or something. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he, he pitched he pitched well he pitched well last night. Yeah, he's got good right. stuff. Yeah. Right. So 
Oh, he pitched last night. Yeah, he pitched last night uh, against. Okay, uh, they beat the Royals, I believe, three to none. Yeah, Tuesday, so that means we'll get him Sunday. So, yeah. Yeah, they got their work cut out for him this weekend, but um, you know, when you stay healthy, you know they're healthy right now. They've always had somebody banged up. You know, two or three guys banged up, but they're healthy right now. They're playing good, and it's not going to last forever. But you just don't want to go into one of them long funks where you lose like 13 out of 18 or something like that. Right, know? right. And as long as they stay healthy, that's not going to happen. The Red Sox, I can't tell you what's, what's wrong with the Red Sox. I keep waiting for them to start. They have winning, no bullpen. They have no bullpen. Huh? They've blown too many leads. Blown, they've, they've blown too many leads, and they only got three guys in their lineup that get. That's the two, three, and four guys. The rest of them have been terrible. No, I don't know. I don't think you can blame that on the manager. I mean, sometimes it's up to the players. Well, I agree with that. So, all right, Kevin. Well, you have a good week. Good talking to you, Larry. All right. All right. Um, again, the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. I said I want to mention a few Saints thing. Man, they love this guy, Divine Azigbo. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. They keep re-signing this running back, Divine Azigbo. Um, I guess I wouldn't call him a veteran, even though it's he's not a rookie. Um, but I don't know that great name, I guess. Uh, but I don't know that he's the answer at running back. Philip Lindsay was signed by the Colts. Philip Lindsay is not to be all in all of veteran running backs that you could pick up, but he is one. Um, you know, there, there are still other options out there. It's, you know, it's not, I'm not saying it's time to panic. I just, and you know, if they haven't proven yet to all the skeptics that they know what they're doing and just be patient. So I don't want to be hypocritical here. Just be patient. But, um, I'm just waiting for that to drop. And and then it's time to just man, you just sit there and pray every night that they get healthy, that they stay can stay healthy. Also, the Saints, in case you missed it, signed a veteran offensive lineman, kind of a guard center guy, not so much a tackle guy, an interior offensive lineman, potentially to be a backup if he could win. You know, if he could win the job, we'll see what he does. His name is Josh Andrews. Now, I got to tell you, sometimes you read. When the Saints pick up a player, you read about it, and you're like, man, that guy sounds good. And then sometime you read it, and you're like, uh, what are they seeing? I'm not seeing it here. And this is one of those. Josh, when he played for the Eagles and the Falcons and the Colts, uh, doesn't have a great track record. When you read his bio, it doesn't sound very impressive. But he has played in the league. He is a veteran. Uh, I think he's. I think I read he was 30 years old, somewhere right around there. And so we'll see. I mean, look, if he can give them some center guard depth, great. And if not, um, you know, I'm sure they'll release him. But um, he doesn't sound great, but he is a veteran, and we'll see what happens uh, in terms of depth on the offensive line. They're just trying to cover as many bases as they possibly can before the season starts. And you know, I still think the biggest base they have to cover is a veteran running back, and hopefully in time that will happen. There is still time, and there's still some that are unsigned, so we'll see what happens. And again, I've been wanting Daryl Williams from the beginning, not because I'm so 
all fire. I mean, I, I would prefer Booker. I don't know what the Booker situation. I haven't heard his name at all. Um, I'm, you know, you know me. I, I don't care where they come from. Right? And so I'm not all fired up about the whole LSU thing. I mean, I'm fine with the LSU thing. I want Darrell Williams because I think he's, he's kind of what they need there. Uh, I like what he brings to the table. Um, and so hopefully um, they can get that done. Somebody put a tweet out that he's visiting. He's from New Orleans, so he may not he may not have anything to do with the Saints. I you know I don't want to get overly excited about that. Although we played that game with Tyron Matthew and it worked, and we played that game with Jarvis Landry and it worked. So maybe there's something to it. But um, you know Booker and and then I, initially I wanted Booker, and now I'm fine with either one of them. And I've been, you know, Williams fits the whole LSU theme going on in this offseason. And, you know, I got to ask the question, and again, you know, I don't really care about all this. I really don't. I, I, I have never – I totally separate college from pro sports, and I totally separate fantasy from, from you know, real-life sports. Some people can't do that. I, I do it easily. I, it's not even an issue for me. So I really don't care where they came from. But it makes you wonder if Casper the Quitter was somehow the one that was responsible for not having all these LSU guys. Or maybe this is just total coincidence. And it just worked out that you needed a safety and an ex-LSU veteran was theoretically on the market that you could get and you needed a wide receiver and an ex LSU guy who fit the the best you know fits the profile best was on the market maybe it's all coincidence it just makes you kind of go hmm you know makes you wonder and look um to get add a few more LSU fans onto the bandwagon that's fine but again I'm not I'm not going to sit here in glory in the LSU angle because I don't care where they're from. I just want players that help the Saints win, period. All righty. We will take a timeout, come back, review more of what's going on in this crazy. Still, I mean, we're almost, school's about over. It's about, what, less than a week for most people. And parishes, and I think it's that way in Lafayette. School's about over, and we still got all this stuff going on in the sports world. So we'll continue next on this glorious Wednesday morning on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. How much does foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win 
VIP passes for Downtown Rising. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes with a chance to meet the Cold War kids by registering on the game. Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. The Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids is scheduled for Saturday, June the 4th. And to win this great prize, again, you just need to go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and join the Game Rewards Club, the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Foot. Yes, sir. Is it just me or, or every time I hear somebody talk about their team schedule in the NFL, they say they have a tough schedule. I think there's going to be a lot of good teams in the NFL this year with everybody moving and everything. I mean, they, they, they got a lot of good teams this year. You agree with that? Yes, I thought the same thing. It, it, is a, it seems like there are more teams with realistic chances of making the playoffs than any in any season I can remember because there's no – we all know how good the AFC is on paper. But even in the NFC – I, and look, I, I think the Eagles are going to be good. They were in the playoffs last year. I think they're going to be better. I think the Midgets are going to be better. Uh, we'll see what the Packers do. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think there's more good teams than I can remember in recent history. I had the same thought. Yeah, and, and I'm going to tell you something right now. There, there will be a couple – three good teams in the AFC that's not going to make the playoffs. I'm talking really good teams. I'm hoping Miami is not one of them because I really think we got closer to Buffalo. I still think Buffalo is going to win the division. I hope we can win the division, but, I, but I'm hoping that uh, we can make the playoffs. But I think there's going to be a, two or three good teams in the AFC that's not going to make the playoffs, and they're going to be disappointed. Well, gonna no, no. Gonna I mean, it's going to be at least, at least that many. I, I think what – if what if we're reading the NFL teams right correctly, what that means is it's going to be much more difficult for anyone to go like fifteen and two or fourteen and three because there's so many more teams that can beat you without having to you know be plus three or plus four. Like any NFL team can beat you if they're plus three plus four, but it, it, it's not going to take that for some of these teams to to beat other teams because. There, there's on paper a lot of good teams. Uh, no, there's some tough schedules, no question. Yeah, exactly. there's going to be. If you team- look at everybody's schedule, everybody you hear everybody say, "Man, that's a tough three game, four game stretch." But but everybody's schedule has a tough three or four game stretch because there's a lot of good teams in the NFL. I agree. So that yeah. All right, foot. Talk to you later. Thank you. Now again, what it looks like on paper, and what it looks like. Uh, if you take kind of the positive, optimistic spin of how everyone's season is going to play out um, and how it really turns out, it's not always the same thing. I mean, like, again, I think the Saints were going to be really, really good next last year if all the bad things that happened to them hadn't happened, or at least many of them like they could overcome some bad breaks but it was like 
It started in July, and it just never stopped. I mean, they had the most injury-prone season in franchise history. They lost more games than any team in franchise history. They, you know, they had games where they didn't have coaching staff. I mean, it was just a disaster. But had they not had all those disasters, I think they'd have won double-digit games, and, and who knows what would have happened. But, again, so what it looks like on paper in May and how it's actually going to play out, I mean, we we, we need to understand, or, or and if we don't, remind ourselves two totally different things. So there's going to be some teams, whether, I mean, who knows how it plays out. I think the Ravens are going to be better unless they get as injured as they were last year, which I don't think that would happen. Uh, where two years in a row they would get that beleaguered. You know, when you look when you look at the Colts, and I believe they were either, I'd have to look it up, but I believe they were either first or second in the league in takeaways, and they didn't make the playoffs. It shows you Really, how they, it seems to show you, I should say, how they really covered up for for quarterback. And, I mean, most of the year, yeah, he's doing okay. But really, how okay was he doing? When your defense gives you that many turnovers and you can't make the playoffs. So, I wonder... In Wentz's case, did he actually have a worse season than we even thought that he did? Because again, if you're deep, if you're top three or four in the NFL in takeaways, I mean, you, you know, you should be dancing. That's how you win football games almost every time. And they did an incredible job of doing it, and and yet they they didn't win enough games to get into the playoffs, and they weren't exactly in a brutal division. And now he's the quarterback of Raymond's little Washington Commanders. How is that going to end well? I think I think I've decided one thing. I haven't made a lot of decisions. But I think I've decided to pick Washington last in the NFC ESPN division. Now, some it, there's still time to change it, and I'm nowhere near ready to make a, you know, all my predictions for the NFL. But, whoo, man, I really think the midgets are going to be better. I think Philly's going to be good. I'm very, 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 very worried about them. And the Cowboys have too many good players and too much off. The, the Cowboys do a great job of playing against bad teams. They they kind of brutalize bad teams, which is something to be said for that. Now, you got to be able to do the other stuff too. But uh, I just, I, I think I'm picking Washington last unless something really dramatically changes between now and early September when we finalize predictions. But no, I, I think, I've had that same thought that Troy did, that as we talk about the NFL in this offseason, it's like, man, there's a lot of teams that see me. 
more than I could ever remember where you have this many teams like, man, they're pretty good. Oh, look at that schedule. It's tough. Yeah, oh, just about everybody's schedule looks tough. Now, I haven't surveyed them all, but like it was like two days ago, I went over to Bron- I was going over to Bron- game by game with the Broncos schedule with Michelle, and it was like, hmm, it's pretty tough. That's a pretty tough schedule. The Saints' first half of the schedule seems doable if they're ready to play, if they're ready to hit the ground running. Uh, but the the second half of the schedule looks brutal. Brutal. But hopefully by then they 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 hit the ground running enough to beat the teams that they're better than in the first six or seven weeks. And that way, by that time, by midseason, they are – clicking kind of and reaching their potential, assuming they stay reasonably healthy and, and not everybody's suspended again and all this silliness that they can, they can combat uh, the really tough schedule in a, in a, in a, you know, keep their head above water and how it needs to be. So we'll see, but no, it's a good question. It, it, the schedule came out last week and it just seems like everybody seems to have a, a pretty difficult schedule. And then, you just never know how some teams are are going to end up. I mean, there, you know, no one last year at this time thought the Bengals would go into the Super Bowl. Like, who really thought last year at this time the Bengals were going to the Super Bowl? So you you don't know how that's going to play out, and you know what surprise team we're going to have because every year in the NFL we have at least one surprise team. And um, because of that, I think they're staring at a serious medicine season. I mean, serious medicine season. So, yeah, good point. I agree. We'll see how it, it plays out. It's going to be um, – it's going it, to – look, it's exciting right now as a Saints fan. But the anticipation is going gonna, it's, it's gonna to kill me. I'm – you know, the again – the free agent running back acquisition hasn't stopped, hasn't dropped yet. If it does, then the anticipation will start killing me all through the summer months. Need the Astros to keep playing well because I'm going to need it. It's like, man, is this season ever going to get here? I got to see how this is going to work out. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out today's show on this glorious Wednesday morning. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Kevin Foote, an award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the host bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foote is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win one of two very exciting gift certificates, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, you need to do this today. You need to go to the website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Sign up for the Game Clubhouse. It's free, it's simple, and you could win. Again, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse. Plenty worth doing. Again, it's free, it's simple. Go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, yesterday, got an opportunity to read, I mean to read, to talk to, um, I don't know if he's the newest, but one of the newest Raging Cajuns, transfer cornerback, Keon Martin from Youngstown State. Very interesting story. Uh, For one, his dad played in the NFL with the Buffalo Bills, with Cajuns cornerback coach Jeff Burris. So he's a guy who's kind of, he sounds like very much like an Eric Guerra, not the big physical guy. You know, the Cajuns lost um, a cornerback to LSU and the transfer reporter who was more in, in, in Gardner, who was Makai Gardner, who was more of a big physical kind of or bigger body type cornerback. Guerra's more of a, you know, the cornerback version of like a scat back. And, and, and it sounds like Martin is more in that um, kind of in the mold of an Eric Guerra on the small side, quick, good instincts and all of that. So he's got three years left. The Cajuns, even though they lost Gardner, have three experienced cornerbacks back in Amos and, and Guerra and Washington. But it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in. Very, you know, very outspoken. In fact, after I interviewed him, I was not surprised to hear that he's made he was majoring in like sports broadcasting because he really you know spoke very well and and, and uh, had a very outgoing personality. So we'll see. You never know how these transfers are going to work out. But uh, it was cool talking to him, and it, you know you can never like we always say on the Saints side of things. You can never have enough cornerbacks, so he'll have three years left, and even if he doesn't end up starting or playing a whole bunch this year, he'll have two years left, and then they'll need some more experienced cornerbacks after um, some of these guys leave. So we'll see how that plays out long-term for the Cajun football team in the secondary. All right, I appreciate the phone calls and, and Koki coming on. We'll be talking a little horse racing tomorrow with Mr. Tom. And other things, get back talking to more, a little bit about the Cajuns in the softball regional as well. It was a glorious Wednesday. Maybe we can follow that up with a glorious Thursday. We will see. Y'all have a nice day.